Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. live welcome back ladies and gentlemen i am your host blake Rafino. this is are you serious sports we hope that you guys are making it a good one we know that we are as well a huge show in store for you tonight the L- the lsu saints the new orleans saints in preseason game two we will be doing a live companion show at least probably throughout the first quarter uh so we will be following the saints how does Jameis winston look how does Taysom hill look We'll break that down as well. I don't. I like Lewis Riddick is in the booth, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but a huge short show in store for you, as I mentioned. Also, LSU scrimmage breakdown number two. How did the LSU Tigers do out in the scrimmage this past Saturday? We will talk about it. Got to tell you, a lot of what we talked about last week is exactly what happened and what you want to see from this team, and especially from this offense and offensive line along with the D-line as well. So we'll talk about the LSU fighting Tigers and what they did this past Saturday. How did practice look today? We'll talk about all of that as well. Uh, hashtag Rafino's rants. Uh, I don't know how epic this one will get, but I think it's something interesting that we all need to talk about. Something interesting. Uh, I think we might sprinkle in some Jamar Chase in there. I think we might sprinkle some, uh, if you don't know your role, shut your mouth in there. Um, if you don't know what you're talking about, shut the hell up in there. Um, so we're going to get to all of it in the Rafino's rants. You know, guys that never played before just kind of think that they know what they're talking about and they absolutely have no freaking clue. I come out here last week and I tell you what's going to happen, what I'm hearing, and then it translates itself onto the field. But yet, you know what? Fire Ed Orgeron. This team stinks. We'll talk about that. Uh, and Rudy Poo of the Week. We'll get to our Rudy Poo of the Week. Hashtag R-P-O-T-W. The Rudy Poo of the Week. We'll get to that at the end of the show. And Michael Hanna from the UCLA B-Team podcast joins us around 720. We'll be talking about um, the UCLA breakdown as they have a game this week. Going to be very interesting. Uh, but before we get started, guys, do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share it to some Facebook groups. I really appreciate it if everybody would share it to the Facebook groups. Uh, this is how we, we we grow and we continue to do things. Uh, if you're on YouTube, do us a favor by hitting the like and or down button. If you don't like the show, uh, I'm not going to be prejudiced. I'd rather you hit the like button, but don't forget to subscribe. And if you're on Twitter as well, don't forget to follow and hit that retweet. But before we get started, as always, let's get to a couple of these comments. Um, Mario says, hello, Blake. What's going on from Canada? Uh, Kenny says, let's go. Danny says, let's go, Blake. Colin says, let's do the damn thing. Go Tigers. Robert Plazon says, let's go. Ready to beat down uh, for the beat down in the Rose Bowl. And Eric, uh, uh, Eric says on YouTube, let's go. So ready to whoop these UCLA 
California Rudy Poos. I'm not going to say one, the one word he said. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to say the absolute least. Uh, so we'll talk to Michael Hanna. What's he hearing out in UCLA? So before we get started, let's do this. As always, let's pay some bills around this thing. Let's pay them bills, and then we'll get started. None better than good friends over at GM Varno & Sons and BetOnline.ag. Guys, with 63 years of experience, nobody is more equipped to service in your vehicle, RV, tractor, whatever you have, than GM Varno & Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motorhome taxis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. Give them a call today at 225-664-9992. That's 225-664-9992. And tell them your good friend, Mr. Blake Rafino over at AYS. Since you own by our good friends over to betonline.ag. Guys, we only got two weeks before the LSU season starts. Two weeks before the NFL season starts. And so you can place all of your bets. Get over to betonline.ag. Do it today as you can get them in. You got to be able to get the, uh, the sign up. Use your mobile device to be able to bet before the season. You got to do that within the next 13, 12, 13 days. Do that right now. Well, not right now. After the show. Because we got a lot to talk about. But do it after we get off the show. And we greatly appreciate that. It's betonline.ag. Betonline.ag. All right, let's get this thing rolling. Um, Roderick says, we MFing live up in this hoe. That we are. Craig Schilling says, ah, we are live. That we are. That we are. Lamar Williams brings up an interesting point here. Says starting five wideouts, in my opinion, are Booty, Dre Jenkins, Devonta Lee, Coy Moore, and Kirkland. Well, um, you better watch out for Malik Neighbors because Malik Neighbors all but had a ball out fest this week and this weekend. Now, that's not to say that Brian Thomas didn't do well. That's not to say a lot of people did not do well because they did. Uh, Devontae Lee, a guy that we've been monitoring for a long time, finally showing signs and flashes of the ranking that he had in recruiting. He's going to be a guy that you're going to have to put out there because he continues to make very big-time contested catches inside the red zone, across the field, or across the middle of the field, and along the sidelines. I think that you're going to have you're going to find your he's going to find himself playing a significant role on this team. A lot of wide receivers will, and then as the season goes on and guys show what they have, you will see that pecking order come to fruition. Uh, let me start off by telling you this. Um, multiple people have told me this from this past Saturday. Uh, was not out there. Had uh, prior engagement, as you saw last night, was on WBRZ with Matt Trent. Um, so I had a lot of things um, that I was not out there um, Saturday. What I will tell you is this. LSU, for the first time in this scrimmage, went really fast, meaning the offense. They went really fast. Um, LSU on the first two drives kind of and pretty much looked unstoppable. Now, here comes the Rafino's rant. Here comes the Rafino's rant. Because LSU and guys like Josh Williams, who had seven carries for 66 yards, I'm going to say seven for 70, I'm just going to round it up. But if you want to say the 66, fine. It doesn't matter too, Rudy Poos, to me. But all last week I told you that this running game was coming. Blake, don't worry about the, 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 the stats. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But let me just tell you this. If Ed Orr's run, if everybody and they mama is saying that these two young running backs, because John Emery and Ty Davis Price were out, all these two uh, young running backs and Corey Connor and uh, uh, Amari Goodwin are having big camps, they can't do that without a decent O-line play. Now, I'm going to tell you what scares me a little is because when the first down, when the offense started getting first downs this past Saturday, the defense started getting a little gassed. Um, signs of what we saw in 19, 20, and so on but guys, and that is that is college football defense in today's day and age. You would rather that be a problem now to where you can fix it and be able to learn how to rotate guys in and out than anything else. But the offense is hitting their stride. I told you for the last six months, 
Max Johnson is that dude. And for all intents and purposes, you saw him go up against Ali Gay saying, I'm coming for your ass. The last time you saw that was August of 2019 when a guy by the name of Joe Burrow went up to Michael Divinity, pointed and said, I'm coming after your ass, pushed him and said, bring it. You saw that you saw that in the video from Max Johnson doing the same thing. Those kids and those guys are cut from the same cloth. Whether you like it, love it or hate it, those two individuals are cut from the same cloth. And everybody not talking about Max Johnson, oh, Miles Brennan, when Miles Brennan comes back, when Miles Brennan comes back, you better get at you better you better stop with that. Because that man's coming for you. You better hide your wife. You better hide your girlfriends. You better hide your fiancés. You better hide your dogs. You better hide your cats. You better hide your aunties, your grandmammies, because he's coming for everybody. He's coming for everybody. Y'all gonna, people are going to learn to start putting respect on LSU's name. Five and five. Okay. Because what I've heard and some of the things that I've seen from this past Saturday and film that was sent to me, good googly moogly. Get ready for it because here it comes. Now can they translate it? The biggest thing with this team, they have the talent, they have the coaching, they have playmakers all up and down the field. Can they translate this from practice into the game? Because they got guys like Jay, uh, I mean Jay Ward. I've told you and preached on this show that I am the president and CEO of the Jay Ward Fan Club. Ed Orgeron comes out Saturday and says, you know, the guy defensively that was unstoppable was Jay Ward. Huh, where in the Rudy Poo hell have I heard that from? Stop listening to individuals that don't know what the frick they're talking about. As we're underway uh, in New Orleans. It's a good, nice little run. Who got the start? Was that Jameis? We're underway in New Orleans. So stop listening to it. Also, here's a major point that I want to hit to tonight. A major point I want to hit on tonight. When I say this, and let me preface this. When I say this, I'm going to get a lot of a lot of hate. But I want to preface this and say everything I got to say before everybody freaks out. It's been very well chronicalized, and LSU fans are talking about it as well, having concerns for guys by the name of Jamar Chase. Guys, he was out for an entire year. He's knocking some rust off. No worries whatsoever on my take on on what's going to happen with Jamar Chase. Now, if you're in the camp, if you're in the camp of being worried about Jamar Chase, then all of you LSU fans explain to me why are you not worried about Derek Stingley? I think Derek Stingley is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best corner in college football. But at some point, we're three weeks into this nagging injury, and he hasn't hit the field. Do I think he's going to get out there soon? Absolutely. Do I worry about his injury? No, I don't. His dad said today if, he, if it was game, he'd be ready to play. Well, then why aren't you at practice? Is it that nagging? Because we've seen guys like Jamar Chase. That's a good pass by Jameis Winston right there. That's a first down. We've seen guys be unable to knock off the rust when the season gets here. Don't be surprised if it takes if it takes Derek Stingley a hot little minute to get his bearings. Now, if you saw um, the clip that I had and went on with uh, Matt Trent from WBRZ yesterday, guys – let's just hypothetically two weeks away, 12 days away, if you got jokes about LSU, if you have jokes about Ed Orgeron, you better get that shit out now. You got you got shit you want to talk about the O-line, you better get it out now. And here's how I'm going to wrap up the Rafino's rant. Here's how I'm going to wrap it up. Do not tell me that you don't have depth on the O-line. Don't tell me that shit. Now, you have guys like Mason Smith that had three sacks and had a huge day. That's what you expect from the number one overall uh, uh, guy in recruiting on the defensive line. You expect him to have big days like that. But when the offense goes down on the opening three drives and they score touchdowns in a scrimmage, when LSU's offense is going fast, now what? 
Now what? That's a touchdown. Holy mackerel. All right. Everybody talking that shit about Jameis. Now look at Jameis. Good throw. Good catch. All right. Y'all talk that Rudy Pootness about Jameis Winston. Y'all, y'all going to keep talking about that man, and he's going to put y'all's ass in a blender. That's a good throw and catch right there, ball. That's a good throw and catch right there. But don't tell me that you don't have depth on the offensive line when three guys on the starting no line is out, and all of a sudden, LSU's offense is scoring. Guys, you got 14 individuals, 14. 14 individuals that are on scholarship from LSU. That's three deep at every position outside of one. Stop telling me you ain't got depth. What you don't have is experience and qualified experience. Don't give me that shit no more because if you're going to talk about Mason Smith, think he's a dog, you're going to talk about Savion Jones and all these others, you have not seen these kids play yet. We've seen the O-line get better. Don't believe me? Ask Ed. Hey, our defense got their asses. In translation, Ed told you Saturday, hey, our D-line got punched in the mouth in the running game. Translation. Josh Williams, the the, the uh, walk-on running back, that kid's going to be on scholarship if he's not already soon, running up and down the field. That's what you want to see. Everybody freaking out week one. Oh, my God. Hubba, hubba, hubba. What happens when situational offense hits that ass? Anyway, let's get to some comments. TJ says, hashtag X, Blake, what's your take on UCLA letting everyone but LSU fans in to see the game for free, LOL? Doesn't bother me in the slightest. I know they're not doing that. They're trying to sell tickets. They're trying to make a uh, some coin here. I don't have a problem with it. If you want to go, go. If you don't want to go, don't go. But they're trying to sell out the Rose Bowl. They're trying to keep up with USC. They're, look, guys, you, every school across the country has had issues uh, or had issues with COVID-19 and not la- allowing fans in the stands. I would not be shocked from a money standpoint if they do something to say, hey, LSU fans, you want to fly out here? We'll cut the ticket price in half. I don't think they'll do that or go that extreme, but they'll do something. Hey, first beer's on the house. Can you imagine uh, LSU fans spending six, seven, eight hundred dollars, a thousand dollars to go to the Rose Bowl to get a free beer? You're seeing how much it affected teams and schools and universities like UCLA when they're giving out free tickets because concession stands, beer sales, all of this, they have to make it. And, and look, I'm not I'm not worried in the slightest about UCLA doing that. I think, quite honestly, it's smarter than their part to do what they're doing. I commend them for it, guys. Universities got popped last year. If you can hear, I do have a I'm a little under the weather. Uh, Daniel Glenn says, I really can't wait until the D line starts putting on a show in September. I really don't think UCLA knows what is coming for them. Chip Kelly does but his players do not. We'll see. I mean, look, we're about to have on Michael Hanna, who covers the UCLA, UCLA Bruins in a really good fashion. So we'll see what uh, what he's going to say, but I kind of agree with that. I don't think that they have the depth. I don't think their O-line play is anywhere as good as that defensive line that LSU has. Uh, Justin Simpson says, Blake, who are your who are some receivers not came, named Kayshawn Bouti uh, that are taking first team reps. Really guys and turning heads, really guys, Malik Neighbors was the big the big the big guy this week. Was the big guy this week. Uh Devontae Lee, if you saw I'm assume I'm assuming a lot of you guys saw the catch along the sidelines. That's not the only big catch um that he had. Th- today Devontae Lee was running with the ones. They're rotating those guys in and out. I really believe that they, they're gonna have I, I don't know if you're gonna I think you will have a situation where you have Kayshawn Booty. Maybe they give Kirkland the start because he's a senior. Uh, Dre Jenkins, but they're going to rotate those guys in and out. And here's something I'm going to kind of break some news. They're going to have packages. Kind of like we're watching Sean Payton now in the live companion show. He's been known to do that, have having lie or are really good at having packages and schemes. Hey, we're going to go Rambo here, and then the whole unit runs out. LSU's going to do something of the same. Jack Besh had a really good day. Cole Taylor, I thought, had a really good day. So a lot of guys are starting to turn some heads. 
Um, and look, it was physical out there. It, it was physical, and you want to see that. Uh, Anthony says, Blake, how much time do you think these freshman running backs are going to see UCLA? I think it all depends on how the two older guys do. Um, I would not be shocked. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying I've heard this. I'm just throwing out an opinion. Due to the nature of what we've seen from Josh Williams, we saw Ed do this in 2018. I would not be shocked if Josh Williams got the first snap from scrimmage and they throw him a ball out of the backfield because of his hard work this summer. Ed did that with Lenard Fournette. Media was talking shit about running backs. Uh, and uh, he, they put in Lenard. Real crazy. All right, let's do this. Uh, we're going to get over to our good friend Michael Hanna over at the B-Team podcast covering UCLA, so let's give him a call right now. And we want to talk about some UCLA. Let's get into it. Let's get in talking to some UCLA. All right, here we go. We're going to call our friend Michael. Let's see. Let's get to a couple more of the comments. Uh, TJ says, LSU can run out there every game with a different defensive personnel. That's true. Hello? Michael. Yes. Hey, man. Blake Rafino, are you serious sports? What's up, brother? Not too much, Blake. How are you doing, man? Doing good. Look, we're, we're, we're live. I'm just going to give you the preface now. So don't, you know, we're live. Okay. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> All right. Do it. Um, so look, really, Michael, we've been talking about some UCLA, some LSU and camp, but look, we're waiting for the next two weeks before LSU finally hits the field, but UCLA hits the field this week. They go, they're playing Hawaii. So their camp is over. Season is here for UCLA. Hit me with it. What has been the biggest standout so far from UCLA and how confident are you for them this season? So as far as the, you're talking about the biggest standouts from camp so far. Biggest standout from camps, how's DTR looking, how's the O-line, D-line looking? What is the biggest things that you've seen, and what are you looking forward to this week? So the biggest developments in camp are really related to kind of the filling out of the depth chart because UCLA returned so much from last year as far as production, returning starters, all that kind of stuff. They returned 20 of 22 starters. Now, the guys they lost were both NFL draft picks, running back Demetri Felton and defensive lineman Oso Digazua, huge, huge contributors. Um, but the rest of the team from last year is essentially back. So really the biggest thing in camp has been figuring out how far the two deep goes, kind of getting guys who haven't been contributors the last couple of years to kind of get ready for playing roles if they're called upon, all that kind of stuff. But the starting lineup is basically intact. Uh, DTR, you mentioned, he missed, um, I think he was out for, I want to say, 10 days because of COVID protocols. Uh, so he missed a little bit of camp, but it's his fourth year starting. At this point, he's got the system. He's had the same offensive coordinator and the same system for four years. It, that's, that's not something that anybody's really anticipating being any sort of issue for him to get caught up or anything like that. It's just study from home for him, basically, for 10 days. So the camp was really about kind of working out the kinks of how far down the depth chart really goes for UCLA this year. Um, the biggest emergence in fall camp as far as – um, we've been able to garner because Chip Kelly restricts access in a huge, huge way. Um, the media only actually gets to you watch You don't minutes say, of Michael. Before. The head coach is yeah. cutting out the media. Continue. <laughs> but, uh, but all word is, is that <laughs> I love it. But um, UCLA, one of their big, big weaknesses last year was middle linebacker play. Um, what they've done is they brought in a, um, a transfer from Notre Dame, uh, Jordan uh, Jen Marquise, and he looks like he's going to be starting at the Mike linebacker, replacing Bo Calvert, who was just ineffective in that role last year. He was an outside linebacker in high school, but they projected him as a middle linebacker, as a Mike, and they were trying to get him up to speed. He just didn't have the sideline to sideline capability to do it. So mm-hmm. they moved him to an, uh, a more natural outside position. And Jordan Jen Marquise from the transfer, the grad transfer from Notre Dame is going to be the Mike. And by all indications, he's looking pretty good in camps so far. Like, not he's not Eric Hendricks or what. UCLA fans were accustomed to a few years ago, a linebacker, but at the very least, he's going to be an upgrade on Bo Calvert because he has a better nose for the ball and can read plays a little bit better. So if UCLA can step up their linebacker play considerably, or even just a little bit from what it was last year, that's going to give them a huge buffer that they did not have on the defensive side of the ball last year. The offensive line is bringing back their top seven guys in terms of minutes, all five starters and their two top rotation guys. Offensive line looking really solid, but their starting center from last year, Sam Marazzo, um, has been out with an injury for camp. Uh, his backup from last year, John Gaines, has been taking all the snaps with the first team. 
Um, John Gaines has four years of experience in the system. Nobody's really anticipating much of a drop-off from Morazzo to Gaines because Morazzo is a decent center, but Gaines will be perfectly functional. Um, they have a stud at left tackle in Sean Ryan, who is projecting mm-hmm. as a high draft pick. But um, the line overall looks really good. Defensive line, very young, but they've got a lot of talent on there, and it's just really about kind of getting those guys up to speed because it is a um, youth-heavy defensive line. So just across the board, the theme is about depth and getting depth up to speed to have a fully formed team ready to hit the field as early as possible this season. So that's a, you bring a mouthful in there, and I know it's a lot to break down. So let's start with this. Let's start with DTR. Um, you talked about him being on the COVID protocol, being out for a little bit. Um, is it kind of an anticipation by you to see if he's got a little rust in there? Because, look, I know he's been there for a while, but are you anticipating there being any rust? And if there's not, are you – I'm. It's, it's a crazy question to ask, Michael, because I'm sitting here saying, look, you, you, got, a new, you got a new running back, you got a new O-lineman, you got new this, new center, as you alluded to. Do you have a little bit of concern this week into Hawaii? And if not from him – where do you see that he's progressed and how you think he's going to do this up and this coming up week against Hawaii? The, the biggest thing for DTR is that he is the mo- he is probably the most naturally talented quarterback UCLA has had since Brett Hundley. Just he get, as far as dual threat, do everything, five tool, whatever, he has every physical tool in the book. It's really about him staying out of his own head. And we saw towards the end of last year, he started to make a considerable leap in terms of his just processing of what he saw on the field and letting the game come to him, not trying to force things. That's what he did for his first two years, probably in a half, that really frustrated UCLA fans and coaches and probably himself, in all honesty. The fact that he tried to make things, um, he, he has considerable belief in his own physical talents, as he should. But at the same time, he just tried to make things happen that were just not there from time to time. And he would get like almost a case of like the yips with the way that he took care of the ball. That like he had unforced fumbles and all this kind of ball just slipping out of his hands. I don't know if you guys remember the Cincinnati game where he did that twice yep, a I couple remember. of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like that was the biggest, that's been the biggest thing for DTR. First game of last year against Colorado turns over the ball. I think it was three or four times in the first quarter before he really starts to come on towards the end of that game. But DTR, when he plays a bit within himself and isn't his own worst enemy mentally, his physical talent really takes over. And we saw that towards the end of last year. So it, the biggest thing with DTR, it's hard to say, whether, it's hard to express any real degree of confidence about what he is going to be with that. Like, it's hard to say certainly what he's going to be against Hawaii this Saturday. Because at the end of the day, it's really about the frame of mind that he comes in with. Is it the senior who is confident that the game is going to come to him and that he's going to be able to make an impact regardless? Or is it the guy who's so hyped for the season that he gets in his own head and works against himself? It's hard to say with any degree of confidence because we've only really seen him be that mature like uh, general on the field for half a season out of the three years that he's played. So if it's a linear progression, then sky is the limit and he's going to come out gangbusters. If it's something where it's a less linear progression, if it's something where he kind of hasn't completely worked out the kinks about how to kind of be a quarterback from the mental side of things, then it could be a little bit more rocky. It really just depends on his confidence and his self-assurance at this point because the physical talent is there and the security in the system is there. It's really about him being him, letting the game come to him more than anything else. Michael, I've, you know, we got a lot of questions firing inside the chat, but I'm just going to ask you this. Now, I know that you're very confident, and as you probably should be, about going, you know, playing Hawaii. It's the first game. There's going to be a lot of intensity, be some fans in the stands. I got to ask you this, though, because we are an LSU based podcast. I'm going to get over to some UCLA and Roderick Duga on, that's a Louisiana name right there, Duga. Uh, but he asked, hashtag ask Michael. Do you think that UCLA can handle the physicality of the LSU defensive line? Look, you talked about the 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 left tackle. You've talked about them having some really good pieces up there. But is this one of the biggest, if not the biggest, challenges for UCLA all season, in your opinion, so early? Um, absolutely. LSU is going to be the biggest challenge UCLA faces from an athletic perspective the entire year. I have no doubt that UCLA's offensive line can move anybody who plays in the Pac-12. LSU is another question altogether. I mean, I know there's the whole stereotype that sometimes that other people outside of this, outside of the South kind of make fun about, like, oh, SEC speed, whatever, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, fans in the South can get full of themselves at times, but they're justified because we see it on the field. We see the SEC has won, what, 14 of the last 15 national championships or Southern teams, including Clemson. But it's right. a real thing. 
Um, UCLA doesn't see that on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. I am confident that they can beat up the USC defensive line, but LSU's is a whole other deal. Um, that one I'm not as confident about. I need to see that with my own eyes before I fully believe that they can mow the, <laughs> they can mow the way on the ground for uh, – they have a really deep running back base. Can they make holes against an, as athletic and a defensive line as LSU's? I, I need to see it on the day. I, unfortunately, I wish I could answer that question, but we just don't see that freakish level of talent on a week-to-week basis in the Pac-12. So UCLA going against LSU is going to be a whole different test for guys like Sean Ryan and Paul Gratton and Alec Anderson and all the offensive linemen that UCLA has returning. They're good. They're experienced. I don't know if they're going to have seen what they will see on September 4th. So I wish I had a confident answer, but I really don't in this case. Hey, but that's what we do for a living, though, Michael, right? We, we sit here and we talk about it. We got, I mean, look, it just, it is what it is at this point. Uh, but I do, I kind of, I want to ask you a person when there's a lot of questions firing inside the chat. Um, you say that about the O line and then going against LSU and, and, and the SEC. But Chip Kelly has had his struggles at UCLA, and that's not a knock on him. I feel like that he's had a lot that he had to turn around. He had to build his own system, but they got a lot of pieces. I thought the tight end play last year was really good. I thought that he was really athletic and was able to catch the ball in the middle of the field. I think that it's something that LSU struggled with. But let me ask you this. Is this the if, – if, and I don't want to put you in a box here because I know when asking this question it kind of puts you in a box – but if if Chip doesn't beat LSU and struggles again in the Pac-12, are UCLA fans starting to chirp a little bit and maybe wanting to move on from him, or is it a little too soon? If he doesn't win nine games this year, he's gone. That's that, that's that's the word I get. If it's, it's nine games or bust. And the over-under for this year out of Vegas is seven. So <laughs> he, he needs to beat the projections considerably. So, I mean, it, 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 the fan base has lost patience, quite frankly. There's, there's an, not, I'd probably say 25, 30% of people who will always be in the foxhole of any coach just because they believe that the coach is an extension of the program. They feel like supporting the coaches, supporting the program, so on and so forth. But the vast majority of fans have checked out. You go, you go 10 and 21 with any program that's based in Los Angeles and the talent that you have around you, and you're losing on a consistent basis to teams like Colorado and Utah, who I'm not knocking. But at the same time, UCLA should have a considerable advantage over just from a raw mm-hmm. talent perspective. If you are getting worked by those kinds of teams, not to even mention losing, getting embarrassed by Oregon State a couple of years ago, getting embarrassed by Fresno State in Chip's first year, uh, Cincinnati losing twice. Like you can go on and on down the list. Um, his best record at UCLA from a percentage perspective is three and four. At some point, a program that I know it's been a while, but has a decent football history, not on the level of its basketball program, of course, but is actually an AP top 25 team all time should expect to be slightly above. I, I say slightly in a sarcastic way. They should be considerably above the level of 10 and 21 through three years. So no, it, it's something where they, the proof needs to be in the pudding. Every, after four years, it's all his guys. It's all his guys on this roster. There's no more fumigating anything that was left behind by Jim Mora or anything like that. At this point, if you have a roster full of upperclassmen and you are going up against a conference that is very much in flux, you need to, there needs to be proof of concept on the field. You can talk about filling out the depth chart with guys who have high ceiling, high character, whatever, blah, 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 for as long as you want. Until it shows up on the field, people aren't going to believe it. So after four years, if it's not showing up on the field, then Martin Jarmond, who uh, took over as UCLA's athletic depart, uh, director and was not the guy who hired Chip Kelly, he uh, joined UCLA last year. Martin Jarman came from, uh, he was at Boston College, but before he was at Boston College, he was at Ohio State. Right. He knows what winning football looks like. He was the assistant dire- uh, athletic director in charge of football. He knows what winning football looks like. This is not the guy who's just going to sit around and just be like, oh, yeah, take your time, Chip. No. If he doesn't win nine games this year, I'm told he's gone. So uh, he's got a high bar to meet. He has to literally double his win, to- essentially double his win total from his first three years in one year. but. It's the, it's the box he's put himself in. So it's uh, obviously coming from a fan perspective because um, I'm not writing for the LA Times or anything like that. It's a fan <laughs> podcast that I host at the end of the day. And from a fan perspective, I really want it to happen. But the numbers say that he's going to fall short of it. We will see. But it, it, there's a high ceiling for him this year, no doubt about it. So let me ask you, Michael Hanna from the B-Team Podcast, you can follow him at Michael M. Hanna on Twitter. Uh, and we'll let him let you guys hear and let him tell you everywhere you can catch his podcast and things that he's doing as he'll be doing, I'm sure, 
an LSU podcast here soon. Michael, let me ask you this and last question before we get out of here, and you've been so gracious with your time. So what says you? What You, you, know, you talk about Chip's got to win nine games or he's, or he's out. Do you think he can get there? Because like you said, the Pac-12 is, is up in shambles a little bit. I think that they're vulnerable. Uh, but can he? Because you've got 19 restarters turning. Can he do that? What's your projection on them this season? And how many it, wins? It's really going to – it's going to come down to the defense because I'm very confident in the offense based on what I saw last year. They can run the ball on anybody they play in the Pac-12. And two, I, I'm confident that they can run it on Hawaii and they can run it on Fresno State. LSU, we'll see about it. That one I'm kind of leaving up in there. But 11 out of the 12 games on the schedule, I know that the offense should be able to move the ball if things are going well or if things are going normally. If the, what's, what it's going to take for them to get to that nine-win threshold is the defense, the back seven of the defense is going to have to step up considerably, your linebackers and your safeties especially. Because for UCLA, those have been weak positions the last two years. And um, they've had a lot of flux because of injury and because of just trying to find guys who work. Um, if their middle linebacker and their safety play steps up, they have a chance at nine wins this year. This is the most talented team Chip's had since he's been here. But if those positions, they can't shore them up and they've been bugaboos <laughs> the first three years, if, the, if those things don't change from the first three years, then there's no reason to believe that the record is going to change from the first three years. So um, it's really going to be about shoring up the back seven defensive play. If the linebackers and the safeties and I guess to an extent the corners can get there, then nine wins is on the table. Otherwise, it just doesn't seem likely to me. Michael, last one. I lied. I lied to you. Last one. No, Did, you're good. No, as long as you, we're having some fun, as long as you need. Uh, projection for Saturday. I mean, what from a score perspective, we know Chip has been known to score a lot of points. Would you be shocked if they if they put up 45, 49, 50 plus on Hawaii? And if they don't have a good offensive showing, will you start to get a little worried coming up with September the 4th? Um, it's a great question. Uh, one of the underrated things about Todd Graham taking over at Hawaii in his first year last year, now I know they were playing an all-Mountain West schedule, but the advanced metrics like Bill Connolly and those kinds of guys actually had, I think they had Hawaii as a top 55 defense last I year. I saw that. So right. weird, weird to say it for Hawaii, but UCLA's offense versus Hawaii's defense is the strength-on-strength strength matchup for the Saturday. It's a really weird feeling to say for Hawaii, but it is what it is, I guess. But um, if they didn't put up, say – I guess I would set the threshold around 30 or so. One thing that I don't, uh, Blake, you've probably done your research in the UCLA. Look at this. I don't know if the LSU fans realize this. Chip Kelly hasn't won a non-conference game in his first three years at UCLA. He's lost all six of them. Yeah. So we had somebody to, in the chat, Craig Schilling, brought that up, but I was like, I think they get one there. But continue. No, and so for UCLA fans, any win over Hawaii at all is going to be something we haven't experienced under Chip Kelly yet. Um, the spread is 17. To get to 17, that means it's going to be at the way you what, like 35, 18, 42, 22, if I'm doing my math right, something like that. At right. that point, I mean, that, that, would, be, that would be very encouraging. I, I think I would set the offensive threshold for this weekend at around 30 or so. If they can break 30, I don't know that that'll be good enough to beat LSU, but I know that that'll be against a defense that was supposedly top 50 last year. I'll feel really good about where they're going, uh, where they're going as far as how they match up with other Pac-12 schools. To feel really good about what they're going to do against LSU, potentially, they would need to get in that 40-45 range that you were talking about. That's when I'll start to think that the the LSU game is something that's going to be competitive, quite frankly. So if they come out and they just blow the doors off of Hawaii, then I'll be like, okay, maybe we're cooking with gas here. But I need to see them first win, and then beyond that, win win a non-conference game in general. And then to do it convincingly would be icing on the cake, considering what we've seen the first three years. Michael, we have college football back, baby. It's here. And then, ne- and then next week, you got these crazy coon asses. Michael, don't let them give you nothing. Just fire back. Just say, "Hey, I'm going to give you some beer. I'm going to give you some beer, and, the- and you'll be fine. I promise you." But you've been fantastic. I, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I'm, I, I I lived in Texas for uh, five years uh, earlier uh, in the last decade. I, I in Houston actually, so I got to know so many LSU fans. You guys have the most fun fan base in all of college football. I cannot wait to have uh, I, just all my favorite Cajuns down in Los Angeles in a couple of weeks. We're gonna have such a good tailgate. We're gonna have such a good time. You guys are gonna see how we tailgate on the golf course next to the Rose Bowl. It's gonna be nice. a good good. It's gonna be a good day regardless of what happens during the game. Hopefully, it's an excellent game and it makes it even better. But it's gonna be a special weekend regardless. So I'm looking forward to having all of you down in Los Angeles in a couple of weeks. Absolutely, Michael. Tell them everywhere they can find all your stuff and everything that you're doing. 
Oh, absolutely. So um, my uh, co-host and I uh, host the uh, B-Team podcast, UCLA B-Team podcast. My co-host name is Nathan Everhart. You can find us at UCLA B-Team. I am personally at Michael M. Hanna. If you guys want to follow me there for any insights going into the game in a couple of weeks, um, we are part of what's called the What's Brewing Network. You can find us at What's Brewing Show. It's a conglomeration of UCLA podcasts all together that kind of do things from a little bit of a different perspective. Me and my co-host, we kind of try to get a little bit more nitty gritty. Our, uh, the What's Brewing show is part of the What's Brewing network. They try to kind of keep things a little bit more loose and they have kind of like a, like friends talk basically, but they have a really good time with it and it's a really entertaining listen. Um, we are in, yeah, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all of where you can find podcasts on the internet. We are available in any of those locations. And yeah, um, if you want any insight on our thoughts going into LSU next week after the Hawaii game, or even if you want to start listening for the hell of it, because you just want to learn more about college football, feel free to join us on the What's Brewing Network and listen to the team podcast specifically. We would love to have any and all of you there with us. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. We're probably going to have to try to find some time to bring you back on next week because it's, look, it's anticipation around the bayou here, and you've been fantastic. We'll talk again soon, my friend. Absolutely. Take care, Blake. Anything you need from me, let me know. Happy to do it. Take care, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks. That's Michael Hanna from the B-Team Podcast. Guys, fantastic. Jameis Winston's on absolute fire. And and Marquez Callaway's also on fire. All right, man. All right, I think I talked a little too much shit about Sean Payton. I've never said on the show that Sean Payton was a bad coach. Let me allude to that. I've never once said Sean Payton's a bad coach. I said he's petty as hell. But this is the kind of stuff you want to see from Jameis, though, right? Like, you want to see Jameis throwing dimes, absolute bucketed dimes out there. All right, man. I mean, this guy's a Heisman Trophy national winning quarterback. And against the Blitz, man. It was against the Blitz. I'm watching. What a catch by Callaway. I'm going back and watching it. One-handed snag. Jameis Winston how do you do? Now, this is against the Jags. I'd pull his ass. Hey, bro, I'd pull Jameis. What, what's Jameis got to prove to you now? Firing on all cylinders. Firing on all cylinders. He's looking really well. Taysom, you might want to go. I don't know what you want to do, man. You might want You might want to go somewhere. Yeah, Roderick said, all you said he was petty. Yeah, that's all I said. Florence says, like always, a great show. Thank you very much. Yeah, look, Michael's good, man. I mean, I've been listening. Let me, the only thing I disagree with Michael about UCLA is I don't think that their O-line is physical enough uh, to stop LSU's D-line. And I think that Michael alluded to that, right? Like, he alluded to that he doesn't know – he thinks the O-line's good, but he doesn't know if it's good enough to stop LSU's D-line. You know, and talking to him, he's asking me questions like, man, Blake, I, I don't know how we're going to stop it. And that's a, a guy from the outside looking in. So, along the same lines of, as I've kind of been preaching on the show the last couple of weeks, I do not know how you stop LSU's D-line. I don't. Um – Aaron Felder says Callaway making Winston look good with them catches. Yeah, but man, with all due respect, I mean, you put a ball in a place where your rece- only your receiver can get it. He comes down with one hand or two hands. It don't mean, guys. Drew Brees had amazing catches in his career from wide receivers. Jimmy Graham, uh, 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 Marcus Colston. I mean, I, I don't I don't like uh, I don't like that argument. Like I don't like. Did the the did the no? I'm not going to go there because it's a stupid argument. But I, I don't like that argument at all. Uh, Bart Gotro Gothro on uh, Facebook says UCLA O line will get blown off the ball every snap. I'm not going to say every snap because look UCLA goes fast, man. I mean, look, I'm telling you, listen to me. So all 171 of you, I'm kind of surprised that we have 171 considering that there's a. Uh, a Saints game on, preseason game. I was kind of contemplating whether doing this or not uh, tonight. But let me let me just say this, and we're going to cut it short tonight. We're going to cut it a little short and get, get to watching the game. But let me just say this as we're ending. LSU's defense did struggle, 
did struggle when the team started running tempo. Let me say that again. LSU's team, LSU's defense starting getting exposed a little bit when the offense started running tempo. And Jake Pete started firing all cylinders. The good thing about Durante Jones, Durante does not care and is going to fix it. Guys, I'm going to be a little honest with you. He's Dave Aranda a little bit. I, I, I hate to call him like that, but at what point are we going to start calling Durante Jones a mad, uh, a mad magician on some of the stuff that he's doing? Guys, I'm hearing he's, he's discovering uh, or uh, disguising coverages and, and then Orgeron's looking up at him like, hey, how did they do that? I mean, communication has been good. Not how did they do that, but damn, bro. Like, that's some, that's some seriously good shit. I'm telling you, man, watch out for Durante Jones' defense and his calls. Y'all think I'm crazy. I Look, man, I know people think I'm crazy as hell. But tell me some things I've been wrong over the last three weeks. Guys, these eyeballs have been around football its entire life. Na- start naming them. Unexperienced individuals talk about O-line play when they don't know. End of argument. Josh Williams, a walk-on, had 70 yards on the ground, had 10 yards per carry. What point do you not start getting worried about Derek Stingley? Loving to death. Think he's the number one corner off the board in the NFL draft. You got to get with it, dog. You got to get with it. Uh, Henry says, Jameis will be the most improved player in the NFL. If he keeps doing this, if he keeps doing this, um, Darren says, great interview, pretty uh, straight up with his team. He is straight up. He's me without the Rudy Poos. <laughs> He's me without calling everybody Rudy Poo. <clears throat> uh, Bert says, we can multitask Blake. We can watch Saints and Blake at the same time. I know, I know, I know. But we just got to be, we got to be, you know, I mean, Look, this is the lowest viewed show right now that we've had since we started. <laughs> it happens every time the LSU or Saints are on. I'm surprised we got, uh, well, maybe not the lowest. I mean, we had 207 people in here total. So, was a little surprised. I was just asked, I've sent a, I've sent a text to the AYS hotline, guys, you can fire in text. I think we're going to be done away with phone calls for the time being. I can't keep taking phone calls from people. Um, just not going to probably do it. But you can text. So the the number up top, 225-435-9387, you can text that number. So I did have somebody text in asking, hey, Blake, any rumblings out of camp players going into the transfer portal? No, not yet. Um, and But – Yeah, I know that there's some people asking about the wide receiver position and Coy Moore. I ain't, you know, I ain't worried about. It. Fire in your Rudy Poos of the week. We'll end it here. Fire in your Rudy Poos of the week. Uh, Henry says Rudy Poo of the week. Emmanuel Acho. What did he do? What he do? So, Henry, what my man do? So my Rudy Poo of the week. Oof, I'm gonna say goes to Karen uh, Key Largo on Twitter, the Texas A&M fan, who says I'm a non-credible. Don't know anything what I'm talking about. Karen, you can kick rocks, sweetie. You can kick rocks. In your double-wide trailer in Aggieland, no one gives a shit about what you say. I go to Shay and Billy. Shay and Billy do a good job. I go to Shay and Billy for my LSU news. You don't go for LSU news. I mean, it's not my fault that an LSU potential recruit and signee told me directly that you broke the A and M broke the rules. Your p- coaches are buying uh, family members shots. What you want me to do, Karen? What about the Our Lady of the Lake? That man was in prison and had nothing to do with. They couldn't find your boy. Uh, Funches or whatever his name was from Our Lady of the Lake ever talking to Les Miles. Not one shred of evidence. The federal government who doesn't give two Rudy Poos about LSU. Um, King Moses, Rudy Poo of the week to Ryan Leaf predicting Texas A&M to go 12-0. 
I saw that. Ryan Leaf's been on the show. Um, I saw that. I saw that. Eesh. That's a rough take, man. And then LSU going eight and four. That's a rough one. Uh, Terry says D Jones going to be a uh, the coach of the year. He he's got that potential, man. He reminds me a lot of Aranda, bro. Being out there, he reminds me a lot of Dave, man. He reminds me a lot of Dave. Uh, Jason says, "What the hell happened to Coach O's eye? My curiosity is killing me. It looks like he's got pink eye." Uh, Chili Vic says, "Hashtag Ask Blake. I heard Langwa killing it in punt coverage. I heard he's been okay. I hadn't heard he's been killing it." Uh, Henry says he's consistently talking trash about Shakira, Shakara. Uh, Richardson. This is coming from the same guy who's going to be hosting The Bachelor, right? Guys, come on, man. Come on. Get out of here with that. Uh, and Aaron Adams Jr. says, just ready to see my Tigers fight. Roderick says, Rudy Poo of the week, the college football world, because LSU, uh, LSU is coming. <clears throat> Guys, I'm tired of fighting the fight, honestly, if i got to be dead ass. As the kids say, I, I got to be dead ass. I'm tired of fighting the fight. And it's not, it'd be one thing if it's from a national perspective because I can ignore those guys. The problem with the local media trashing Orgeron, who's 13-5 and five against top 10 teams, was at 13-1 and one against top 10 teams in the SEC. Oh, no, no, no. 13-5 and five total. Was it um, the other one was 13-1 and one against top 10 teams total? I, I forget what the stat was. Um. The problem with that, though, is it everybody trashing Orgeron is I have to hear it from you guys, right? Like, every time someone comes in this, you know, says something shitty about Orgeron, I hear it from all of you. Guys, you see the, you see the views. I don't make that shit up. I can't click on that shit, what was it, 3,400 times last week? I can't click on that shit 3,400 times. I ain't got time to do that shit. I can't keep doing that shit, but just if you want to come out here and trash them, brother, do it, and do it vividly. Don't hide behind a keyboard with it. Like, don't hide behind, title nine, title nine, this and this and this. He was with a girl. Just because Orgeron's girlfriend looks better than your wife doesn't mean shit. Call it what it is, bro. Let's call it what it is. The man was going to pound town, probably, uh, with somebody who looks better than your lady. You, They hate you. They hate us because they ain't us. Not ain't us, but ain't us. Uh, last one. Daniel Glenn says, any recruiting news of late? No, but I do hear potential five stars going to pop. Hubba, hubba. <laughs> We're out of here. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.